Welcome to this very special episode of the Bushwick Book Club Podcast. Yes, this sounds familiar, but it's true. It is so true every time I say it. This time it's true because we're talking about things that are at the core of Bushwick Book Club. Creativity, freedom, limitations, and the freedom that comes from limitations. Experimentation, the unknown, and Kurt Vonnegut. Bushwick Book Club songwriters, Charlie Neeland, Thomas Teller from Bushwick Book Club Malmo, Sweden, and and I, I forgot to introduce myself as usual. I'm Susan Wong, founder of Bushwick Book Club, blah, blah, blah. The three of us were interviewed by Chris Lefebvre, a curator and greeter at the Kurt Vonnegut Museum and Library in light of our upcoming artist residency at the museum during Band Books Week. Band Books Week is September 25th through October 1st, and Charlie, Thomas, Spirit Child, Patricia Santos, and I will be living inside the museum for the week, writing new songs in response to banned books and performing the songs live in a show at the museum at the end of the residency. The KVML gave us permission to release this interview to our podcast audience, and we're happy to share it with you and let you in on this unprecedented anti-censorship experiment that Bushwick Book Club is very excited about. Here's the interview. I'm not here to be clean. I'm good to nobody. If I kept all pristine, go ahead. Welcome back, Vonnegutians. I'm your host, Chris Lefebvre, curator at the Kurt Vonnegut Museum and Library in Indianapolis. We have a really special treat. We have three members of the Bushwick Book Club, an international group of musicians, singers, and songwriters who create original music inspired by literature. Thomas Teller, Susan Wong and Charlie Neeland are all members of the group that will be living in our museum at the end of the month, September 25th through October 1st, for our annual artistic residency, part as protest against censorship and part artistic experiment, as they will be writing and performing a brand new album from scratch, inspired by Vonnegut and other band authors during their week in the museum. Susan and Charlie are co-founders of the Bushwick Book Club, joining us from Brooklyn, New York. Susan is a singer and songwriter who plays the accordion and drums, and according to her bio, she picked the accordion and drums because the accordion is lighter than a piano, and the drums because it's healthy for a girl to hit things. I want to hear more about that later. Charlie is a producer and indie music veteran known for blending post-punk, dream pop, and progressive rock. I didn't know those three genres could be blended. Thomas is a piano-playing singer-songwriter from Malmo, Sweden, and he heads the Swedish chapter of the Bushwick Bushwick Book Club. Thomas, Susan, and Charlie, welcome to the Vonacast. How are you all doing today? We're good. Very good, thank you. Susan has a uh, Susan has a cat named Trout. I do. Uh, how did how did that name come about? Well, he is a Vonnegut cat. He's named after Kilgore Trout, so his full name is Kilgore Trout Huang. But uh, and people just think, oh, you named your cat after a fish. And I'm like, kind of, kind of I did. But uh, we're going to let him host the next podcast. Excellent. 
Excellent. I love that. We're uh, we're finally waiting for the guest on this on this podcast that actually doesn't like Vonnegut very much, but I guess we'll have to cut Susan off of that list. So Charlie Thomas, the the verdict is still out on you guys. Okay. So uh, okay, five adults living in a museum for a week, writing an album from scratch, all with different talents and influences. How the heck did this come about? I mean, how well do you even know each other? Not that well. <laughs> we have, we've, we've stayed under the same roof. Some of us. Um, we, we, yeah. Well, we visited um, Thomas in Malmo with a special Bushwick book club. We didn't know uh, that all of that Swedish was in preparation tour. for this. Yeah. No, exactly. This is the final scene, right? Yeah. <laughs> Excellent, excellent. We do uh, we do have copies of Vonnegut's works in uh, in Swedish. Actually, um, I have a I have a friend who's very proud of her Nordic history, and uh, and and so I, I sent her a copy of of our Swedish translation of Slaughterhouse Five. Uh, so we right. like to show that to you. That's yeah. cool. I, I actually just uh, uh, bought it uh, a week ago. I went to to the closest uh, bookshop here, and uh, I asked. Um, do you have any Vonnegut? And uh, the uh, the woman looked in the computer and it was, nah, it doesn't look very good. Nah. Or wait, I think I saw something. And she went to the news, uh, what do you say, uh, where they have all, all the new new uh, The books. new releases. Uh, and... Um, and there it was, Slaughter, Slaughterhouse Five in Swedish, Slaktus Fem. Very um, cool. So I had to buy it. Um, I've only read it in English uh, before, so I'm uh, halfway in now in Swedish. That's that's good international oh. airplane reading. I, I read in the bi- autobiography of uh, Tom Robbins, the novelist, uh, that he read Slaughterhouse Five on a plane ride back to the United States from Japan. And uh, considering he was probably losing a day of his life in jet lag, it was very interesting to read a book about becoming unstuck in time uh, mm, during that true. time frame. But I, I want to bring it back to the fact that you guys are, are collaborators, but you haven't spent a whole lot of time uh, with each other or don't know each other particularly well. <laughs> or, or, or was that sarcasm? Well, I mean, if I missed the sarcasm. sarcasm. <laughs> I mean, it was only well, half sarcasm. Um, I just feel like, you know, oh, well, how, however well you think you know somebody, you know, there's like, you know, all these layers that you, you, you know, will still uncover as you go, as you go along. Um, and that's because, uh, you know, Thomas and, and Charlie and spirit and Patricia, you know, they're all like really, um, they're deep people. <laughs> you can hear it in their music. I won't even pretend to, you know, actually know them, but, um, I, you know, I'm happy that we have been able to connect through music in all these different ways. And we've definitely done plenty of shows together. And, um, yeah. Charlie and I have been on tour together as Lester lit and going to different cities to, uh, kind of sp- uh, sp- spread, you know, plant the seeds of Bushwick book club in different cities. Um, uh, and I mean, we didn't need to plant it in Malmo because they approached me in like 2000, whatever. And, and we're like, Hey, we want to start this thing in Sweden. I'm like, cool. And then <laughs> next thing you know, a couple of years later, uh, Thomas and Christian, who's the other co-founder of Bushwick Book Club Malmo, were like on my doorstep. And I'm like, I, I, I honestly, when I, I, you first in Bushwick, because they got some like uh, funding to come to New York and, and meet up with 
Bushwick Book Club New York. And so um, they're on my doorstep in Bushwick and they, uh, and I'm like, yeah, come, come in you guys. And I didn't know them from Jack, you know, but like they were so totally cool. And by the end of that meeting, we were, I was, I, they were teaching me what schnapps was. And I was like, schnapps, I have that in my refrigerator, in my freezer. I'm making it right now. And I, I didn't even know I was making schnapps, but it's basically infused <laughs> vodka. And, you know, we were doing shots of schnapps and, and then that was that. Do you remember when I, when we first contacted you uh, and asked about starting a chapter in Sweden? And you said, yes, uh-huh. uh, it costs $100. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I did. I did. yeah. <laughs> At that time, I was trying to, I was trying to, um, I was trying to, like, I was getting help with, with someone who has more experience doing, like, art nonprofit profit stuff. And she was recommending that I, you know, I do that with the other chapters. And I kind of tried for a while, but then I gave up because... Honestly, you just come to accept your limitations after a while. And that's one of my limitations is that, like, I can't monetize anything worth crap. So uh, nowadays I just don't even bother. I'm just like, just do it. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) You know, I don't know. I love that definition of knowing people. Uh, I'm, I'm a musician myself. I, I remember in Chicago in uh, in 2009, uh, a roommate of mine who I didn't know for very long needed a bass player for his blues trio. Uh, when he took us to Ypsilanti, uh, Michigan, I remember we were staying in, in a very loose friend of his, like loose in, as in the sense he didn't know her very well. Um, so we all slept on floors, which was, you know, not a terribly new experience for me or anything. But when you mentioned the schnapps, um, it's it's interesting on all those experiences uh, involving music and travel that you remember the the food and drink uh, on an extreme level and and what I remembered was this woman the next morning handing me Budweiser and red velvet cake for breakfast and just thinking wow you know there's going to come a day where I don't crave this <laughs> in the morning after crawling <laughs> off of a hardwood floor uh, but that day is not today. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I have another question, uh, Susan and Charlie, tell us about the history of the Bushwick book club. Uh, do you call it the BBC or do you call it the full name? Just whatever's easier. It gets, at the time. Yeah. It, it does get abbreviated that way in emails and stuff. But, uh, Susan actually is the founder of the Bushwick book club. I kind of joined in around 2014, 2015, or, you know, actually started helping her. Um, run it maybe 2015, but um, she, she can tell the story yeah, of it began in, starting in 2009 it. at Goodbye Blue Monday, which is a venue was a venue in Bushwick, uh, started by Steve Tremboli, and Steve Tremboli is a writer and a visual artist and a business owner. He had scrap bar in um, in the village. Uh, that was that was popular and successful, and then he was in, living in Bushwick, and he started Goodbye Blue Monday, and he obviously was a Vonnegut fan, since Goodbye Blue Monday is the alternate title for Breakfast of Champions. So when I was working Goodbye Blue Monday, one of my jobs was to create events that might bring people out there, and I thought, well, would would people come out for a, a, this kind of nerdy book themed event, and would songwriters write on a deadline? because it's not everybody's thing, you know? And it turned out all the songwriters that I knew, almost all of them were just nuts about doing it and everybody wanted to do it. And the first book was, well, it had to be Breakfast of Champions. From there, we went on to do a book a month and uh, we continued to do Vonnegut yearly uh, as tradition. 
That's an that's an amazing pace. You did a book a month. We did a book a month. Yeah, we don't keep up with how many, how many exactly songs now, was it like? Roughly. Was it one song? Um, uh, you could write one song or more than one. Um, the very first show, I remember I wrote like three. But these days we have so many different songwriters who want to participate that it works out to just sharing one. You may, you may write more than one because sometimes you get that door open to the songs and then more than one jump out. So, um, but, but usually we have time just to share one per songwriter. We usually have like 10 to 12 songwriters per show in New York. And I know in Malmo they do it. Um, they, they have fewer songwriters and, each songwriter gets to play more songs. Yeah, you weren't kidding about the the concept of a deadline. Uh, what what book were you uh, What book were you working on when Charlie joined? Uh, what was your first book, Charlie? My first book was The Killer Angels. Right. Um, it's a book about the Civil War. Yeah. Uh, specifically, the Battle of, Get- Battle of Gettysburg, right. and. Uh, that was at the living room, like a, right? I think that was at the living room. Yes. It's like an 800-page book. Sorry. <laughs> That's delicious. <laughs> and, 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 yes, I used SparkNotes to discern what part of the book I was going to focus on, and I read that, like, 200 pages, and then, Cheating like, counts. wrote my song from there. That's one of the rules of Bushwick Book Club. Cheating counts. What a, what a great motto. What a great motto for the arts and humanities. Yeah. Cheating, Cheating counts. counts. And uh, have no shame. That one, actually, Trout uh, really established and keeps reinforcing every day. Yeah, all, all the pets I've known have had, had have no shame as a motto. That's that's for sure. Um, so th- this is fascinating. So have you? Uh, yeah, that eight hundred page book. What other meaty, terrifying uh, rabbit holes have you gone down in the literary world? Like, have you written uh, music based on Infinite Jest by any chance? That one. I have refused to do for the longest time. And people would come to me and be like, we should do Infinite. I'm like, fucking, um, pardon me. I'm like, do it. You do it. Because I ain't doing it. But I always said, if you want to host your own Bushwick Book Club show with Infinite Jess, I'm like, do it. No one has ever done it. I have always said, you know, I have been supportive of it. I just won't actually do it myself. Uh, but then, and, but then now, I don't know, maybe I'm more inclined to do it. But it is so it is so long. But I like that writer a lot. And I didn't know that I liked him until it was during quarantine and I started to read essays and I was like, I really like this guy. And then I found out he was dead. I didn't know he committed suicide. I didn't know he was dead. So then I was in mourning. I was really upset because I was really liking him and I wanted to read more and I wanted to know what he thought about the pandemic and everything. And then I and then I couldn't because he's dead. I was so upset. Damn it! I, uh, I was introduced to uh, to David Foster Wallace by by an old friend, and I and I picked up Consider the Lobster, which is only a twenty page essay. So I had no idea that his uh, magnum opus was a thousand page book with two hundred pages worth of footnotes in it. So anyway, it's been a couple of years, and I'm on page two hundred. Okay. So uh, hopefully, well, maybe you before- can do that book club. 
You know, I, I don't think I could ever bring myself to do it. I'd have to do like a, a spoof on like one, one of the greatest jazz standards of all time is Footprints by Wayne Shorter. So if I could do some kind of spoof on like one of the greatest songs of all time and then like make it called Footnotes instead <laughs> and just <laughs> write the melody based on David Alice's Footnotes. Um, yeah, the, also, also finding out one of uh, one of your musical or art, artistic heroes has passed. Uh, a couple months ago, my friend was celebrating his 40th birthday. We're all enormous deadheads. Uh, we've been following the living members of the dead around for about 15, 20 years. And his wife leans over in the middle of the conversation asking how long I've been into the dead. And I mentioned that I was 12 years old when Jerry died. And she turns to her husband, who has spent you know thousands of dollars on concert tickets, and says, Jerry Garcia is dead. And the rest of that dinner was very strange because she had no idea that the lead singer of our band of dreams was uh, passed away in 1995. Uh, which is, had she been to any dead shows? No, no. She, she her, her hatred oh. for jam bands is is considerable. There's there's a lot of she there's a lot of dislike for 30 minute long songs in that in that individual. <laughs> Um, so, uh, so on, a, on the topic of this podcast, uh, Thomas, what made you want to start a Malmo chapter and are there other international chapters? Uh, what made us want to start it was, uh, uh, since I'm, I'm a musician and, uh, one of my oldest friends, Christian Carlson, uh, he is a, a writer and a publisher and, uh, in what was it 2010 maybe he asked me to like uh, to host uh, and play at a release show for a book of his uh, he had uh, a great book actually with uh, it's uh, a women uh, beat poets so uh, he has collected and translated into Swedish. Uh, so, so we did a show there, and from there we just kept on working together with uh, making events where uh, different uh, forms of uh, arts uh, got together and uh, mashed up. And um, then we had this uh, project where we... Uh, um, we invited different musicians from all over the world that uh, we found on, uh, for example, MySpace uh, <laughs> back in the days. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it was an underground poet from uh, from Canada, Alice P. Ugler, her po poems. Uh, and we invited the uh, artists to, to, to they, they got one poem each or, or uh, several uh, and made uh, songs of the poems and for, uh, one of the bands we found was uh xing shang's song did I, that's the correct name huh? yeah they changed their name later because it was politically incorrect but but they were yeah amazing songwriters gower yeah gower and um we um uh, christian ended up uh, publishing um a book and, and a CD with uh, Julie Lamandola, and we invited her to Sweden and and uh, Copenhagen and had shows with, with her. And uh, she said, ah, my friend, Susan, she's doing this great thing uh, called the Bushwick Book Club. You should start it here. And then we emailed Susan, and she said, 100 bucks. <laughs> Which I'm still course. waiting for, by the way. Ah, uh, Christian, <laughs> transfer those back. <laughs> I thought it would be a better story if I was, said I was still waiting for it. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. 
Um, true. Yeah, so that that's where that came from. And the, I think we're the only chapter outside the U.S. except nope. for London. London. Yeah. That we we um, we were there for the oh, but big alert. opening. There's an alert. Uh, there is a show happening in Hong Kong. Almost 100% confirmed, but Hong Kong, because a musician friend, he's a trumpet player and composer for theater, and his name is Ralph Denzer, and he has been traveling this summer, and he is in Hong Kong right now. And he's like, what if we started Bushwick Book Club Hong Kong and there's this gallery that's having having this opening and da 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 da. I'm like, well, uh, yes, do it. And 100 bucks, please. I'm just kidding. Very good. That's amazing. When when do you think it will be? Very soon. It might be in the next few weeks, might be in the next month. Mm-hmm. Shall we go? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's yeah. like, you know, shit, I want to go. <laughs> Man, I got a, I got a lot of Canadian relatives. I'll have to find one that's a musician and have them uh, have them start a Bushwick Book Club Canada. Yes, we've been looking at that. And uh, Ralph also is uh, he lives in Montreal. He does a lot of music still in New York, and he lives in Montreal. So we were thinking of starting one in Montreal, of course. And then um, our friend oh, yeah. Don Ralph has been talking about what's the place he always talks about, Charlie, in Canada. Um, um, just north of Seattle. Oh, Vancouver. Yeah. Vancouver. Yes. He's been talking about Vancouver forever. He's like, we have to do Va- Vancouver is so cool. We have to start Bushwick Book Club in Vancouver. And he he's very excited about it, but we haven't actually done it yet. Yeah, they're both pretty fantastic cities. Uh, Vancouver has the benefit of not having negative 40 degree days. Um, but Montreal has the uh, benefit of having poutine, um, which, uh, which, you know, the French Canadians pronounce it poutine, but you can, uh, you can get French fries covered in gravy and pulled pork and cheese curds. And it's a truly, truly, uh, uh, trans. Yeah. It's an incredible experience. Uh, so long as you're not health conscious. Um, you have two other compatriots that will be living in the museum with you, Patricia Santos and Spirit Child. Tell us about their parts in the group. Uh, they are awesome. And they're both so incredibly talented. They're songwriters and they um, and, and, and incredible musicians. Uh, I, I really am glad they both said yes to this because as collaborators I've never collaborated with them in this sense because I mean who has really but I'm excited to to work with them this closely because they are both offer such you know amazing things it both brings such talent and perspective to the table excellent when uh, when is the last time all of you slept in a museum um never a clock <laughs> <laughs> we will. We'll we'll get back to you. Yeah, I was I was gonna say I was throwing it up in the air as to whether you were gonna be like, Well, I've taken many naps in public spaces. I mean that's that's every musician. Every musician at one point or another has been like, you know what, there's no rule. I'm I, okay, maybe I'm speaking for myself. I saw Susan's reaction to that. But. I have to confess I don't like museums. I don't I try to avoid them. So we'll see how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> what don't you like about music? Some people are museum people, is what I figure. No, um, some people are museum people. Like, yeah, some people get really, really get into them, and I sometimes I'm just overwhelmed and either either bored or overstimulated, and they just and they wear me out. But I don't seek them out. If I go to a new city, I don't really want to go to a museum. I want to talk to people and 
hear stories and share times. I generally don't want to go to a museum. I'm weirdly like, uh, I, I don't know how to make sense of sense of visual art, which is which is why I I admire people who do both audio thing audio audio things, I, music and and visual art. Like I don't really know what to do with physical objects. Often, like I say in my bio, sometimes I mean you know I really do mean it. Like if I don't know how to play it or eat it, I don't really know what to do with it. You know, um, so like visual art, yeah. I, it's just like, huh? I don't. <laughs> I mean, I know what I like, and um, but yeah, there you go. Okay, okay, that's I like I like I like museums little by little. I like I've like I worked at the Metropolitan Museum of Art in in uh, New York for a while, and it's so much better than like you know running through a museum for two hours, going like see, yeah, like looking at the map and trying to pick out the, the highlights. But if you work there and you walk by things every day for a year, you start like getting into the weird little nooks and crannies of, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I grew up in Chicago and they had really cool museums there a museum of science and industry and the field museum. And when I was a kid, I just, I don't know. They were so weird. And I, I like how in cities museums have a, the, like the architecture reveals the different times that the different wings were built and stuff like that. I, I just like, I like visiting them as a refuge kind of not like, I don't know, not like with other people kind of by myself. I like that too. If I'm going to do it, I need to do it by alone. And I like to take in lots of different art in that way alone. Even if I, if I really, really like, a band or a musician, I want to go to the show without anybody. So I don't have to talk to somebody. I just want to be there and absorb that, you know? And yeah. And the movies too, whatever, you know, if I really, if I'm really into something, I want to do it alone. Um, the last time I enjoyed a museum was during quarantine. A friend of mine had an extra ticket to, to MoMA. I think it was MoMA. Um, when, when you had to like, you know, sign up and register and then go through all these machines and things and like, you know, test things and breathe into things and have things pointed at you a billion times before you went in. And then when you did, there was hardly anybody there, but that meant you got to really just interact with the art just yourself. And that was a, that was different. That was a game changer. So I might, I might, I might like this museum, just being able to be in right. it, you know, and have this kind of relationship with it. If you can't find us, don't worry. <laughs> this is an extreme podcast highlight for me because we don't get to talk about this enough, how personal art is, how individual it can be. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more um, that sometimes you kind of have to – not only does the alone factor provide an incredible benefit, but also being able to kind of go through something at your own pace – is, is truly fascinating. I was, I was really bummed when I went to the rock and roll hall of fame and I only had about an hour to see the museum. I was, I was like, good God, this is a, this is a total fail. Same thing happened at the Warhol museum in Pittsburgh. Although both of those museums are truly fantastic. I just wish I would have had 12 hours and an empty building. Um, but yeah, I, 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 what you said about being alone, even, even taking in music is kind of fascinating. Uh, I, I discovered in my twenties that when people talk at concerts, it's literally the worst thing in the world. I almost got into a fight at an Amy Mann concert. Remember that? Charlie had to had to pull me back. <laughs> yeah, I was I was politely I was politely asked to leave a Fleet Foxes. Well, I wasn't I wasn't officially asked to leave. I was body language asked to leave uh, a Fleet Foxes concert once because a guy wouldn't 
um, be quiet. And none of the authorities there were willing to step in. They were just like, well, you've paid $60 to see an acoustic concert. There's a guy standing up and yelling through the show, but you'll just have to deal with this. And I said, absolutely not. So I, uh, I, I made him mad. I'm not going to tell much more of that story, but, uh, but I have to tell the rest of that story. We can't go into the rest of the story. Yeah, the story involved having to explain to an 83-year-old usher at the Chicago Theater what a wet willy was. Um, but he was, yeah, the guy the guy who had been uh, uh, disruptive was very angry at me, and that's how I was um, politely asked to leave. But I, the deeper point I wanted to make, I know it's a funny story, uh, but just, just last week we saw Kamasi Washington, the jazz saxophonist here in Indianapolis, and he was playing an incredibly small venue, and he and his band is quite something. Somewhere towards the end of the show, he played a somewhat atonal saxophone solo, and what I found absolutely gorgeous was the complete and total utter silence of the audience, like the fact that there was no gray area between the performer having all of the sound and the audience having none of the sound, and that and that is almost too hard to come by in, in the arts and humanities sometimes. So anyway, thank you for letting me go down that rabbit hole, but that's... Uh, that's mm-hmm. The, the attention that you want to give towards art is sometimes something you have to be in a certain mood for or in the right space. Uh, so I, I like that you added your thoughts on museums there. That's nice. <laughs> that, you're, that it's like you're, you're giving me permission to hate things. Oh, I, I think that's the most important part of um, man. We, we get, we get well freedom and we get students in the museum all the time. And I can't stress enough, like how important it is, because like I'll I'll ask twenty students how the or thirty students how they felt about the slaughter or slaughterhouse five or whatever Vonnegut book they were reading, and it's it's always a little bit strange to get twenty nine blank faces staring back at you, and I'm like, listen, it's 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 A or B or C. You can say I, I had mixed feelings about it. I can say I loved it. You can say I couldn't stand it. I thought it was garbage. That is a perfectly valid opinion, and feel free to share your thoughts. Um, you know, the idea that someone would be uncomfortable saying I didn't like that book in my presence was was just so incredibly strange to me. I'm, I'm not an authority figure. Um, so, yeah, the permission to dislike or hate things is a, a pretty important part of living in a free society. Uh, what are you most excited about for the week sleeping 18 feet away from my office? <laughs> I feel like we covered that ground already. <laughs> okay. Uh, what are you most scared about? You know, we've had professionals tell us our building is haunted. Sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> that's a plus. Yeah, definitely. More um, more inputs to the songs, I guess. We can just let the ghosts uh, write the songs. Oh, that is brilliant. Ghost writing. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. Oh, ah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, how do you see the process from creating to writing, rehearsing to finally performing the album playing out? Oh, that's what I'm in most afraid order. of, actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the order it's going to go in. Yeah, I, I, that, was, that was a really great. That was a really great question. Like it would. <laughs> the only way to do that would be to like we're going to do avant-garde improv. One, two, three, go, and that's the album. <laughs> <laughs> which i'm not against you doing for the matter for for the record like if you guys i mean i think to... because we've been doing this project under deadlines i mean part of it for me as as i got to doing it each show every year <laughs> was that i learned to trust my process and 
you know, sometimes ideas, you, you start with an idea and then it gets abandoned and then you move on and find, you know, f- failing helps you find the, the good thing that you're looking for. So I'm not really worried that we're going to have trouble. Uh, in fact, it, trouble sounds fun. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like if, if we if we struggle a little bit, throwing some ideas together that don't work at first, I think that'll create some interesting dynamics because we're all, I don't know, we all really like each other. And I think it's going to be, I mean, we do now. We didn't before. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're really, you're really going to hate the, you're really going to hate museums if we cause problems. (laughs) No, but I think, I I, I just think that the challenges of, of the, the uh, setup here will bring about some really interesting results. And, I'm just looking forward to seeing how we put those things together. I think some of us are, we kind of discussed it a little bit, like we had like a, a zoom meeting mm-hmm. <laughs> as one does. Uh-huh. And we're, we're going to have another and, one. And now we're going to have another mm-hmm. one. And, and so, I mean, I think we'll, we'll have some, maybe some of us will have some fragment ideas. Some of us might have some fully baked ideas. Some, uh, I think other things will like allow to happen in the moment. And just those, those combinations of preparation and non-preparation, I think, will open up. And, and also we're, you know, asking for input from the people at the museum and the other people who've been sending us stuff. Through social media and so, otherwise, yeah. Yeah. So I, there's, there's going to be plenty to work with. And I agree with you. I'm excited to encounter the trouble. You said something about trouble, right? That it was going to... Yeah. yeah. It always makes something interesting happen that you didn't expect. Right. And I think we all have a quality that will like bounce off of that in a creative way and, and, and it'll be fun. Or it'll be great TV. So <laughs> improvisation is potentially going to be involved then. Cause the only way I, I, you know, as an artist, I suffer from anxiety and I will say like when the deadline comes up and, and you make mistakes. Now we're lucky that we can like, channel a mistake into something totally new and uh is is that kind of what you're getting at by trusting the process and looking forward to adversity or i don't know how stressed out do you guys get by adversity in the creative process there's no such thing as a mistake (laughs) (laughs) that's very very good ethos of you that's uh that's definitely how i approach things they don't exist you know i i don't know i think for me, it's like when I'm writing some, when, when I get the feeling of a song from a character or a scene or a line of dialogue or a situation in the book, the, the idea comes as this like vague outline, this, this fuzzy, blurry thing. And I have to listen, I have to keep in touch with that and not, because sometimes the first thing I do is like just start being too thinky and playing a thing playing some formula thing that takes me away from the blurry thing. And and usually if I start doing that, I know that I've gotten away from the, the thing that was drawing me to the idea. So then I have to like throw that away. And that's the part that I've learned to trust. It's like, and, and, and if I'm, you can engender that kind of flow thinking by like doing something else, you know, cooking a dinner or whatever. And, and you're just thinking about the idea or letting it roll around in your head, like not even thinking about it, but letting it like just sort of bounce around. And then the first thing I 
when I pick up an instrument, sometimes the first thing I play by accident, it's like, oh no, that's the thing, you know? So I'm, so there is a, a certain amount of spontaneity. I, I don't know if it's like improv exactly, but it's like allowing some improv mixing in with, it's like a left and right brain thing. You know, you, you, you channel a little bit of right brain and then you polish with the left brain and passing it back and forth. And it'll be interesting how we do that together. You know? Yeah. I mean, Thomas had the idea of uh, sampling different things throughout the museum and using that in the music, which I thought was cool because it allows for like this randomness to be included. If you want to talk more about that too. Yeah, sure. Um, and that's, uh, that's something we will uh, see when we, when we arrive, I think, uh, and would be so fun to, to do like a, as a collective thing to, to just find stuff throughout the week and sample and see what builds and see if maybe um, inputs also from, from people and uh, to see where that leads us. Um, and to get the muse, the, the actual, yeah, the actual museum into the, into the music yeah. as well. It does sound good. Well, that, that leads into the next question. Uh, pretty well uh we have a lot of you know colleagues through the museum world who are musicians uh as a profession i play the bass guitar uh rhett miller of the old 90s of old 97s is a friend of ours he's going to be in town uh while you guys are there uh how comfortable are you with outside collaborators and um you know how open are you to that yeah it's great and i saw that there's um somebody's gonna be playing drums with us i just saw that on the site that'll be exciting and also it's always great to have a good drummer exactly and that's also like part of the anti-censorship theme i guess uh like just being very open and and uh, listening and and, uh, collaborating um i uh, i went to a singer songwriter school for one year uh, 15 years ago and uh, lived outside in the woods uh, in a in a in a house in the woods and uh, <laughs> it was a great experience but uh, we we had a lot of like uh, exercises about like co-writing and picking different instruments up that we couldn't really play and now you have to write a song in a wardrobe playing only a flute <laughs> <laughs> so that that was a we had some really good exercise. So from there, I got some um, um, some experience uh, co-writing, I guess. Uh, and um, it's it's all about like saying yes. And as you said, Susan, there ain't no mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> find the flow and and. Uh, and and uh, and f- find each other's energies and and uh, co-create and um, that's what I'm looking forward to the most. Uh, just I can tell Thomas is Thomas is going to be the great force of uh, for us in this. He's going to be an amazing resource for us this in that week. <laughs> He's going to know how to say yes. Yes, yeah. he has he has a lot of practice in it. Yeah. Yes. 
<laughs> I think one of the tension release, uh, release exercises for the week should be uh, trying to whisper, there's no such thing as mistakes equally <laughs> <laughs> as you possibly can. Because I, I, I don't think I'm the only person in the world, whenever I hear somebody whisper, it's like, oh, God. Oh, I have uh, a thing for you. Hold on. <laughs> Does she have a whispering machine? Or? <laughs> I don't know. I I have no idea what she's going to do. But um, this is fun. Look, watch this. Watch this. <laughs> <laughs> There's no such thing as mistakes. People on the podcast won't be able to see, but. So yeah. Susan is holding Susan is holding a miniature finger puppet, uh, which is also a magnet of uh, Kurt Vonnegut. It is made by a company <laughs> called the Unemployed Philosophers Guild, which is the best business name I've ever heard. And uh, so now we've got Kurt Vonnegut telling us there's no such thing as mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good God. Okay, so one one question I did forget to ask earlier on. Uh, you have explored the world of Kurt Vonnegut through music before. Uh, in the intro, we just heard part of the song Use Me, written by Susan Wong and performed by Susan, Julie Delano, Leslie Graves, Adam Mamram, and Charlie Nealon. Can you tell us about the making of that song? I'm assuming it's not a cover of Use Me by Bill Withers. No, but that's such a good song. Yeah, I mean, we should definitely cover Use Me by Bill Withers when you're in the museum. That'll be another thing to break up the tension. All right, cool. That's a great idea. And there's, you know, know, there's never a bad time for Bill Withers. Um, Yeah, that song was inspired by Sirens of Titan. And there's that section at the end where uh, the, the wife is realizing that the purpose of life is just to love whatever's there. And it's pretty profound, that section. We just revisited Sirens of Titan for the opening, the launch of Bushwick Book Club Baltimore slash DC. But they did, uh, they used Sirens of Titan for their first show. And Charlie and I went down there for that launch and we played Use Me There. Um, Charlie wrote a new song for for Sirens of Titan, which is awesome. And I'm still waiting for you to send me the demo, Charlie, so we can get yeah, that online. Um, and um, it's a really good song. And, uh, and it, But it was great to perform that song, Use Me, with the Baltimore and and DC musician and creators because they were so great. And then all of a sudden I had this, the choir of my dreams, um, you know, singing that song. It was, it was pretty terrific. That's really great. What, uh, what other Vonnegut books have you experimented with? Uh, again, there was breakfast of champions. We've done cat's cradle. We've done, um, we have done slaughterhouse five. I've written for, Oh, we did welcome to the monkey house. Charlie wrote a great song for that. Yeah, I like I, I like mine. That was uh, uh, Harrison Bergeron. The I think that's the first story in Welcome to the Monkey House. And so I, I have a song called "I Am Your Emperor." That's because you know he excellent. He, he he breaks into the thing, says "I am the emperor." But I yeah, no, that was good saying. Galapagos, I think, was one of my first. And I have a song called "Hopeful Monsters." Yeah, front that I wrote from that. I mean, we, you know, we can, we could name a lot of songs that we've written from the various Vonnegut books. Cause we do like one a year at least. That so, we've been um, doing since 2009. Right. 
Guess what? We've reached the speed round. This round will consist of 10 rapid-fire questions, both Vonnegut and otherwise themed, and I will randomly direct them to each of you as I go, so stay on your toes and just say the first thing that comes to mind. Charlie, Susan, and Thomas, are you ready? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that sounds very enthusiastic. Susan, name three adjectives to describe your songwriting style. Varied, random, uh, I don't know. That's a hard question. I thought you weren't going to ask any hard questions. Volcanic. <laughs> you guys lied to me. I don't know. Why do I have to describe my own self? I'm not doing it. Forget it. <laughs> Sorry. I'm supposed to say yes. I'm, I'm, I'm doing poorly at that. Shit. Right. <laughs> I think you're perfectly All fine. Right. Um, Charlie, Kurt was a heavy smoker of unfiltered palm malls. Were you ever a smoker? And if so, what was your brain? I was never a smoker. Well, that. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> either... Yeah, Thomas, Susan, were either of you a smoker? <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, what was your brand? Camelites. Um, also, uh... oh shit, I keep. Actually, like mental, uh, Marlboro mental. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. All, all nutritious. Okay. Thomas, are you there? Are you any musical? Are there any musical genres that have eluded you? Something you've wanted to explore in your writing and playing, but so far have failed. While I let you think, I'll just say that I came from the jam band world. And while I love jazz and reggae, I am totally inept at both. Well, actually I'd say, uh, uh reggae is, is one that would be really interesting. Uh, there is actually a really strong Swedish reggae scene that is, is really, really cool and really heavy and really like, uh, there is this legend called Peps Passon, uh, who uh, lived in Malmo uh, and in, in the south of Sweden in the woods. And he's one of the best producers and songwriters ever. And, uh, You'll have to listen to him on, on um, Spotify or wherever. Peps pass on. All right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm mostly looking forward to making some Swedish reggae at the Vonnegut Library in a couple of weeks. Very cool. Uh, Susan, you have written about Vonnegut before. What Vonnegut character would you most like to be stranded on a desert island with? And what Vonnegut character would you least like to be stranded on an island with? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I would say, um, you know, this is really slow lightning on my, on my end. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, I would, I would just want to be like, I would, I would be on an, I would of course, ultimately like just to be on an Island with Kurt <laughs> because that's a, great just was that's a great answer. Someone to, you know, like if you could hang out, why, you know, it just seems like it would be the funnest interesting conversation like if you were at a dinner party um like and, and and you're looking around at the different people you could sit next to you'd want to be seated next to kurt because you'd want to be having the best conversation at, at the party that's how i am I'm, I'm i'm a real conversation slut in that way if something is is you know boring i'm just like oh bye out of here you know um i always want to be having the most interesting conversation at the party yeah, and we're definitely going to write a song called Conversation Slut now, too. Um, that, that's, that's the perfect song title. Um, Thomas, what was one of the best gigs of your life? How about the worst? Mm, all right. You have a hard question. <laughs> uh, I do. Actually, I had a really cool 
experience. I got to perform uh, with a, a friend of mine uh, who's also called Thomas and um, 60 people in a choir uh, and a, like outdoor concerts, 20, only 20 minutes, but like the end of a, uh, like a cult. It was really in a park and it was an amazing experience. And also when I performed in New York with you guys, Susan and Charlie and uh, Spirit uh, also there, that was uh, a tough one. Was that Dixon Place, that one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's ended one. And, and the worst gig you've ever had? Also with Susan. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I, I guess uh, one of my first concerts, because when I was in in in, uh, in high school in seventh grade or something, uh, I in the school we we had a, a show with uh, like the culture school, and I, I was supposed to play a classical piece on the piano. And my hands started shaking so bad, so I couldn't, like, almost couldn't play at all. Um, and uh, from there on, when we had uh, shows with a with a piano school, um, I always played something different than was in the actual program. So when I went on, it says in the program I'm going to play this with the Mozart, but I'm gonna play my favorite Christmas song instead with. <laughs> good for you That's good awesome. for you a little rebellious is a yes. uh, Charlie you're about to live in the museum and we're providing food for you while you're here what meals are you potentially looking forward to and what meals are you potentially dreading I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not dreading any any meals I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> I'm pretty loose with the whatever food people want to eat um, I don't know I like almonds and um and peanut butter and apples, and I don't know. I'm, I'm a simple guy. <laughs> Great. I, I make a mean microwave cheese sandwich, so I'll I'll uh, I'll, I'll remember that. Uh, a colleague of mine was eating a peanut butter sandwich with no jelly on it the other day, and I thought that's the most unique thing I've ever. I, I don't understand that. Um, okay, so uh, this one's for all three of you. I play kickball. Have you ever done a musical project based on a sports memoir? What's the most niche subject matter you've ever explored through music? Have we done a sports thing? I, don't, I can't I think, think of one. We tried memoir. to find one, actually. We were in, like, uh, Agassi, the tennis player, his memoir. But we didn't. We ended up uh, choosing another book. Um, I don't think I've had now. I do like the nonfiction books. Yeah. Um, we, we had a really fascinating book. The one about finding uh, your directions. Um, oh, yeah. Wayfinding. That wayfinding. was fascinating. Wayfinding. That's such an interesting. I still think about different aspects of that book. It, it, it was about the part of our brains that we use to locate ourselves in space. and um, Navigate. And, and navigate. And it's how it's tied into our storytelling Consciousness, yeah, and the hippocampus. Okay. Uh, Charlie, legendary, or sorry, uh, all three, you're going to be sleeping behind a wall of banned books at the museum. What book would it have to be for you not to be able to resist grabbing it out of the wall, knowing that might lead to the wall crashing down on you while you... What book would it not have to be? 
What Sorry, question? what book would it? I, I, I guess a better way of asking that question is: Is there a book on the band book list that, if you saw it in our band book prison wall, you'd probably grab it, even though it might lead you to uh, to collapse our band book prison wall? <laughs> I'd have to see the list, but it sounds like something that's going to happen. That but that book wall is coming down. Yeah, that's that's the perfect answer, Charlie. Thank you. That's uh, and you and you will not be the only person to have done it either. That's that's what I really like. Is someone will see a book, grab it, and then the next thing you know, you'll hear this loud crash, and someone that works for us, sometimes me, will be like in tears because it's a process to put it together. <laughs> that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So, what books have done it in the past? Um, what books have done in the past? I know Tropic of Cancer by Henry Miller is on there. Um, that's that's one that I've personally collapsed the thing looking for. Uh, on the Road by Kerouac. Uh, once was only because I had to read from Naked Lunch, and and I re- we realized like in you know there wasn't much time between me having to give the talk. So I just kind of was like, well, I hope for the best. And you know the I don't think the ball I don't think the wall came down until later on that evening. You know what? Um, to look on YouTube for Jack Carroll, he was really. Yes, he was. Um, but also, I just wanted to randomly mention. <laughs> you had asked about the sports memoirs, and then I realized, oh, we've never done sports memoirs. But um, I, I think I saw John McEnroe yesterday walking behind me as I was going to the Whole Foods. <laughs> is this, you think this is him? Are you doing yeah, sure? <laughs> Anyway, so that's what I want to share. He's a band tennis player. Gosh darn it. We are running out of time. I am so glad that you will be my captives in just a few weeks. I I don't think I've ever said that before. That's 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 great. I'm so glad that you will be my captives in just a few weeks. I thought that wasn't allowed. You weren't allowed to say that, but I'm really glad you said it too. We're really excited to be your captive. Don't feed the artists. What? Yeah. Don't stick your hand in the cage. Yeah, we're going to have so many stories come out of this. Um, perhaps we can continue this conversation then, and I hope you'll yeah. let me audition to be part of the band. Don't answer that. Don't answer that. I will be emotionally crushed. Uh, Queen Elizabeth has passed away, so being kicked out of the Bushwick Book Club before I get a chance to join uh, would be too much trauma for one day. Forward. Uh, Vonnegut said in A Man Without a Country, the arts are not a way to make a living. They are a very human way of making life more bearable. Practicing an art, no matter how well or badly, is a way to make your soul grow. So I have a parting question for each of you. Thomas, as you enter this experiment at the museum, what will you be reminding yourself about your art? Just uh, to, to, to kind of like trust my, myself, I guess, to, to be open to, to, to see where this experiment takes us, because that's the interesting part, Not, uh, to, see, to see what happens in these uh, settings. Gotcha. Uh, Charlie, what advice would you give to young burgeoning artists out there who maybe haven't written anything yet, but feel it in their bones that they have something to say? Just don't worry about what you have to say. Just reach out to what's around you and report on reportage, report on what, what's around you. Excellent. Uh, Susan, what do you hope that young female artists take away from this experiment other than it's healthy for girls to hit the drums? Uh, that. They have agency to create whatever they want. 
which is something I think that, you know, yeah, male, you know, or in between or not, that's, that's the name of the game. Um, I'd like to quote Charlie Nealon. We were talking about songwriter after a friend's show. Her name is Nan Turner, and she was going to be um, at, at the museum. We had to, she had to schedule and had, and, but we was there after the show, and he said this great thing that I would share. He said, timing is your own intuitive link and, you, and that you create unique moments by leaving stuff out. Anyway. Interesting. Yeah, anyway, Charlie always has like really interesting things to say about songwriting, and sometimes I write them down. That was really nice. <laughs> that was wonderful. Thanks. I mean, you, you said it. I was like, all, all, all this profound shit was just coming out of your mouth. And I was like, well, I'm going to write down as much as I can. It was on a roll. <laughs> I need to remember. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Charlie. Susan and Thomas, thank you so much for being with us today. We are all excited to welcome you and Patricia and Spirit Child to the museum. You can follow all of the Bushwick Book Club's endeavors at thebushwickbookclub.com and be sure to follow them on the socials as they participate in KVML's 2022 Artistic Residency, September 25th through October 1st. This week will culminate with a live performance of their new album on Saturday, October 1st, as part of the So It Goes release party. Stay tuned to kvml.org and our socials to follow their experiment, or, sorry, virtual or in-person tickets to the release party. Until next time, Vonnegutians, it's Chris Lefave. Go practice and earth. Thanks for listening to the Bushwick Book Club podcast. Find out more about the Kurt Vonnegut Museum and Library and all their events celebrating the freedom to read and Kurt Vonnegut's 100th birthday year at vonnegutlibrary.org. Follow Bushwick Book Club on social media and visit our website, bushwickbookclub.com. This podcast is produced by Lesterlit. Thanks again for listening, and remember... Book inspired times are good times. Sail to fly in you in the aisle of laughing the shaman.